Let us pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' almighty name that as your word is shared this morning, that my God, as your word says in Psalm 119, revive us according to your word, Father God. Lord, let hope come according to your word, Father. Lord, let liberty come according to your word, Father God. Let the truth set us free in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that this word would take deep root in our hearts, Father. I pray that there would be a harvest of this word. So God, we say our minds are ready. We are open to you. You, my God, and you alone, Father, to hear from you. Give us ears to hear. Give us spiritual minds to understand and a good heart, Father, to receive your word, Father God, in the name of Jesus, where it will take deep root, Father, and where we can have that harvest. Let us mix the word with faith this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, as we hear this word, let us rightly divide the word of truth. In Jesus' name, come and feed us, come and nourish us, come and sustain us today with the manner of your word, Father. Lord Jesus, your word and your body, Father, which is the word of God, you are food indeed for us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. So last week, Pastor Ashley said I would be ministering on peace. And even if you look at how this past week and a bit has been, our country has been in such a state of unrest. We know that we need the peace that God gives personally, but also in our land. Amen. Amen. And I just want to encourage you as believers, please, it's not just up to certain leaders, but every single believer, everyone who is the church, we are responsible for continually praying for the peace, the welfare, the well-being, and the prosperity of our cities and of our country, I would add. Because our peace is tied to its peace. Go and read Jeremiah 29 verse 7. It's in the Bible. So I want to encourage you. I want to urge you. I want to plead with you. Please add praying for the peace of the cities and of our country to your daily prayers, church. Add that to your list in Jesus' name. And this morning, I will be preaching on peace. And my sermon is titled, Pop. So you need to stick with me all the way through to the end to figure out what pop means, okay? But it's going to be very important, so keep that word, store it in your your memory banks, pop, P-O-P. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Judges chapter 6, verses 1 to 24. Judges chapter 6, verses 1 to 24. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents 
Coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought, you up, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress, in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth, and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat and unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock, and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. Amen. The first time Yahweh Shalom is mentioned in scripture is in this passage that we just read. And when something is mentioned for the first time in the Bible, especially when it reveals a character or the nature or a title or name of God, it is called the law of first mention. And the moment something is mentioned for the first time, we as believers 
it is crucial that we get that revelation. It is crucial that we understand what happened before that revelation came and what happened when someone else actually got that revelation and then we need to apply it to our lives. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to understand what took place and we're going to take out lessons that we learn so that we can also have that revelation of Jehovah Shalom in our lives. And not just have a revelation that is head knowledge, but that is heart knowledge, whom we experience, that we can actually experience God as Jehovah Shalom in our lives and in our daily walk. Amen? Amen. So when we started reading the scripture, we see that Israel was in a very bad state. And the reason for this bad state was firstly that they had been disobedient to God's command. They had done evil in the sight of the Lord. They had forsaken their God. And now they were under immense oppression and attack from the enemy, the Midianites. Those were the main ones. It was obviously the Amalekites and the enemy from the east as well. So they were living in the promised land but without the promised blessings. They were living in the promised land, but without the blessing of milk and honey, without abundant harvests, and without peace and prosperity. And I know I've looked back, and there are times when I felt like that, you know, so it's, it's not like it's some far-removed situation that has just happened in the Old Testament. I'm sure there are times when we know we disobeyed what God wanted us to do, and then there are repercussions, and we find ourselves in a similar situation to the Israelites. So every time the Israelites had a harvest, every time they had prosperity, let's put it in our terms, Every time you get that promotion or an increase, every time that bonus comes through, it disappears. It's suddenly something bad happens and that money is gone, okay? And not just that, you're left in a worse position afterwards. So what happened when there were harvests or when there were oxen and, you know, the calves were, say, giving birth and all of that, the Midianites would come in like a swarm of locusts, right, and basically steal everything from them. The intention of the enemy was to destroy. And we know that's the intention of the enemy. He comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. Amen? That is what the enemy does. But thank God that our Jesus has overcome him and we can have life and life in abundance. Hallelujah. But we have seen how the enemy's strategy works. Maybe it's in our lives. Maybe we've seen it in a family member's life. But that strategy to rob, to steal, and to destroy, we see that happening even today. And that is what was happening to the Israelites for seven years. They lived in a state of constant fear, of constant oppression and anguish, defeat and poverty. They lived in caves and in dens. They couldn't even live in their own homes because nowhere was safe. They were bullied by a tyrant nation. If you are tired of being bullied by the enemy, this word today is for you. Because there is breakthrough for you in this word today. So take it to heart in Jesus' name. These Israelites had a miserable existence. And how many people don't we know they're having a miserable existence even now? But can I tell you, Jehovah Shalom is the answer that they need. It is the person whom they need to be able to overcome this in their lives. So when we look at just these first few verses, and even when that prophet came, we see that the Israelites' disobedience 
had left them open to the attack of the enemy. So lesson one for us is that our disobedience to the Lord leaves us vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And not only are we vulnerable, but our children and our families become vulnerable to that attack as well. So our obedience to the Lord is important. And I want to reiterate this. There is abundant blessing and protection when we are obedient to the voice of the Lord. So if you find yourself in a place where you are being disobedient, I want to ask you to turn to God today and start being obedient to His word and to His voice and you will see how things start turning around for your good. Amen? Finally, we read now after these seven years, the Israelites decide, oh goodness, we need to cry out to God. We need God in this situation. And you know what? God answered them because He is a faithful God. So lesson two is this. Even if you have messed up, even if you have sinned against the Lord, even if you are a backslider, cry out to the Lord in faith. Return to Him with your whole heart. He will deliver you. He will come and save you in Jesus' name. Just like the prodigal son, I pray that you would come to your senses and return to your loving, compassionate, and gracious Heavenly Father, amen. Because in His house we have provision. Hallelujah. In His house every need is met in abundance. In His house He reinstates us to our position of authority and everything that we have lost He restores double in Jesus' almighty name. The first thing that happened when the Israelites prayed for deliverance was that God chose a deliverer called Gideon. And this man had an encounter with Jesus. So lesson number three is that when you cry out to the Lord, have a faithful expectation for a life-changing encounter with Him. When we cry out to God, we're not crying out to a God who is deaf, who cannot hear us, who just goes, okay. I hear you. No. We have a God who responds. We have a God who meets with us when we cry out to Him. We have a God who is like that prodigal son's father. Every day he was looking out for his son because when his son returned, it says he ran to his son. That father became undignified according to human terms because now his son was coming back and God does the same with us. Hallelujah. When we cry out to Him, He wants to meet with us. He wants to embrace us. He will run out to us so that we can be brought back in. So have that faithful expectation for a life-changing encounter with Him. When Jesus told Gideon, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor, Jesus was saying that with God's presence, Gideon would be transformed into a mighty, courageous warrior who would be capable of winning peace for the entire nation in their war-torn, oppressed, impoverished state where there was no peace. Jesus was telling Gideon, because the angel of the Lord is Jesus, Jesus was telling Gideon that with God, you are going to win peace for the entire nation of Israel. Amen. 
Jesus basically spoke purpose and destiny into Gideon. That was the total opposite of what Gideon thought he was. So Gideon had a certain view of himself and Jesus spoke words that totally contradicted where Gideon was and where the state of his mind was. So lesson four is, when you encounter Jesus, purpose and destiny are released to impact your world for good. Amen. The word of God says God has prepared good works beforehand for us to do. That there are good works that we are supposed to do that even exceeds what Jesus has done. And it is those good works that, that you are able to do when you encounter Jesus and he fills you with purpose and with destiny. And it's interesting to note Gideon's first reaction. He accused God of abandoning the Israelites. But what Gideon forgot was that it was the Israelites who had actually forsaken the Lord. There's a quote that says, If God feels far away, guess who moved? Can I give you a hint? It's not God who's moved. When you forsake the Lord, and this is not to condemn anybody because all of us are guilty of that. All of us, we draw away from the Lord at some time in our lives. But when we forsake the Lord and things start falling apart, don't forget to move away. Repent and then draw near to the Lord. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, forsake your sin and return to the Lord. Amen. Because he won't forsake you. The Bible says, when we are faithless, God remains faithful. Amen. Jesus' response was even more interesting. Because he didn't even answer Gideon on those unjust accusations. He simply refocused Gideon's attention on his purpose. So lesson five is instead of blaming God unfairly, focus on his promises and his purpose for your life. You know why? Because it will straighten your thinking out. Because <laughs> often when we are blaming God and we are saying God is wrong, you know what? There is a gap in our understanding of the Almighty. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is perfect. He is never wrong. When we think that God is in the wrong, we are the ones who are suffering from de deception. We are the ones that the enemy has lied to, or we are the ones who are believing a lie about God because we don't have a full understanding of who he is. Instead of blaming God unfairly, you need to drop that and let it go. You need to say, Lord, I need a revelation of who you are because there is a gap in my understanding because I am blaming you unfairly. We need to acknowledge that. You need to recognize it and not stay in that deception because like Pastor Ashley preached the one time, um, I think it was Jacob, he fully believed that Joseph was dead. He was firmly convinced about a lie. And often we go through life firmly convinced about a lie about our God. And we need that lie to be dealt with. Amen. You need to surrender that to God and say, Lord, I'm not going to blame you unfairly because clearly I'm misunderstanding something if I'm blaming you. But I'm now going to refocus on your promise and your purpose for my life in Jesus' name. So once Gideon had his sight set in the proper place, the next thing that hit him was all his insecurities because he suddenly just felt extremely insecure 
and unqualified. Gideon believed that he was weak. He believed that he was a coward. He believed that he was the lowest of the low. In fact, he believed his whole family was the lowest of the low. He was so afraid of the Midianites that he was hiding in a wine press to thresh wheat. That is not where you thresh wheat, okay? That is how afraid he was of the enemy. So his weaknesses were shouting so loudly at him. And when Jesus revealed purpose, Gideon, like Moses, wanted to run away from his purpose. He wanted to suck Moses when Moses said, uh, you know, I stutter, uh, you know, I'm not eloquent. Uh, I can't do what you've called me to do. And I want to ask you a personal question today. How many times have you felt unqualified for or unworthy of the purpose and the plan that God has for you? And even though you might feel like that, because I think we all feel like that so now and again, I want to encourage you with this. Don't run away from God's plan. The key is that with God, you will do it. God knows about your insecurities, but he chose you anyway. Amen. God knows about your weaknesses, but he still calls you friend. Amen. God knows about all the flaws that you have, but he still says, I have prepared good works for you to do. I have a purpose and a plan for you. And it all comes to pass with God. That is the key. Amen. The second part of this is, like I said earlier, Gideon would become responsible for winning peace for a war-torn nation. The peace that the Israelites longed for would only be possible with God. What does that mean for us today? It's lesson number six. The peace we long for comes only from God. We need to remember this truth because often we misplace where our security and, and where the source of our peace is. We think it lies elsewhere. A big bank account with many zeros. A fat retirement package. <laughs> a perfect marriage or relationship. A good education. A top job. A fantastic climb in our you know, career and up the corporate ladder. A prosperous business. A lavish house or many possessions. There's nothing wrong with these things because we can enjoy those things. But... They are not the source of our peace. And they are not the source of our security. Be careful that the blessings you crave don't turn into desires that destroy your peace. Real peace comes from God alone and from seeking Him. Real peace comes from being in His presence. Hallelujah. That is how you have real peace that passes all understanding, whether you are in want or whether you have abundance. When you have the peace of God because you receive it from Him and you know that the source of your peace is God alone, that is when you can be content in any situation. We need to remember that only God gives us true peace. So if you are troubled, if you are harassed, if you're restless, if you feel oppressed, ask yourself, what is stealing my peace? What is it that is making you anxious? Don't let that rob the peace that rob you from the peace that God promises you. Have you become too busy or distracted to seek the Lord? 
Have you stopped spending time in his presence daily? Have you made compromises that have corroded your faith over time? Do you know that moral failures in your life will diminish your peace? Walking in paths of unrighteousness, living in sin, not obeying the word, that will diminish your peace. Isaiah 32, 17 says, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. So today, I want to encourage you again, return to God. Return to your first love. Choose this day to serve the Lord with all your heart. In fact, ask the Lord to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When you do this, you will find peace. And it will be peace that will just be constant. It will be peace where it's just abiding and unshaken peace in Jesus' name. As we read further in this passage of scripture... We see that Gideon then prepared a meal for the angel of the Lord. And after Jesus had consumed that meal with fire, Gideon realized, I've met with the Lord face to face. And at that time, if you met with the you no one could actually meet with the Lord face to face because you would die, okay? <laughs> because of the sinful nature. So Gideon was filled with fear. He was filled with terror because he honestly thought he was going to drop dead because he had seen Jesus' face. And at that moment, God tells Gideon, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. In that moment of terror and overwhelming fear, God revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom. And Gideon was immediately transferred from that place of fear to a place of peace. Amen? Immediately. Lesson number seven is this. A revelation of God will immediately change your perspective. Amen? So when your perspective differs to the word, when your perspective has been influenced by our culture of today, you need a revelation of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, for those of you who know, my father always greets by saying these words, Shalom. And a few weeks back, he sent the same message he always sends every week, Shalom family, or Shalom my daughter, that's what he sends me. And it just hit my spirit, man, like it really just hit me, like that full meaning of the word just, just gave me that sort of nudge, that, that, that wow moment, you know, like a revelation in the spirit. Because Shalom isn't only when you greet someone or when you say farewell, Okay, when you say shalom to someone, you are expressing the hope that that person may be well, that they may be fulfilled, satisfied, prosperous, healthy, and in harmony with God, themselves, and with others. And that is what hit my spirit when I read shalom in my dad's message. Shalom is more than peace. It is more than a state of inner calm. It is more than the absence of outward conflict. Shalom is complete peace. It's a feeling of contentment, completeness, wholeness, well-being, and harmony. This is what shalom actually means. Completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. 
Shalom, and I know when it's when it's translated into the English word peace, it almost like loses loses its meaning. So when I say peace in the sermon, I mean shalom. Amen. And this shalom that Jesus gives us is what impacted the disciples when he said, My peace I give to you. It wasn't peace in the English word, it was my shalom I'm giving to you. When Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection, you know what his first words to them were? It was shalom aleichem. Sounds very much like <laughs> the Muslim greeting, but because obviously the Arabs and the Jews they are that close. From a Hebrew side, it's shalom aleichem, which means peace upon you. But it is the shalom that really, as Jesus spoke it, remember his words are spirit and life. The full meaning of that word is what he their spirit mean. And when we look at, at this peace, it wasn't cheap. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says that the chastisement of our peace was upon Jesus. In other words, it is the wounds of Jesus that bring peace. Jesus was tortured and beaten. He died on that cross so that we could have peace. The chastisement in the scripture refers to the punishment that Jesus took in our place when he was whooped 39 times, when he was bruised, when he was wounded, when his flesh was torn, when he was bleeding all over the place, when he was crucified on that cross for our sin. His punishment brought us peace. Our peace is not cheap. The shalom that Jesus gives us, there was a, a heavy price that he paid for it. And now Jesus is our Prince of Peace, who is able to give us true peace. Amen. Amen. Jesus not only gives us peace, he is our peace. Hallelujah. And furthermore, Jesus made peace between God and man through his blood that was shed on the cross. And because of this, we can now live in harmony with God. As I mentioned before, harmony with God is encapsulated in shalom. And the fruit of harmony with God is harmony with ourselves and harmony with others. That is so beautiful that the peace that Jesus brought for us, it wasn't just for us. It was for others who are around us as well. Like the word says, blessed are those who are, you know, the peacekeepers. Be someone who keeps peace, hallelujah, as far as you are able. So don't let stress, fear, anxiety, depression, anger, wrath, bitterness, malice, and unforgiveness rule your heart. Shalom comes when the peace of Christ rules in your heart, according to Colossians 3, verse 15. And did you know that even our children, for those of us who have children and grandchildren, even our children are supposed to experience shalom. They're not supposed to be ruled by fear. They're not supposed to be ruled by depression and anxiety and all these other things that beset children today. And I want to encourage you to pray this scripture over your children. It's in Isaiah 54, 13. It says, all your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace, well-being, and prosperity of your children. So I speak this, and I, I, I love doing this. I say to all of us, all the children that we have in God's way church, you will be taught by the Lord in the name of Jesus. And great shall be your peace, well-being, and prosperity in the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. That's Isaiah 54 verse 13. So like my dad, let us have this hope for others and mean it. Let's pray for them to experience shalom in Jesus' name. I sincerely pray that everyone listening to the sermon today would have a revelation of Jehovah Shalom just like Gideon did. Jehovah Shalom will complete you and make you whole. Maybe you've gone through life and you fractured. There are broken pieces, whether it be somewhere in your soul, somewhere in your heart. I want you to know today that Jehovah Shalom will complete you and make you whole. Jehovah Shalom will cause you to prosper and be in health. He will make your soul prosper in Jesus' name. Jehovah Shalom will ensure your welfare, your safety, your soundness. Stop leaning on the arm of man and material things for your safety and your soundness. You need to lean on Jehovah Shalom because only he will ensure that in Jesus' name. Jehovah Shalom will redeem, deliver and rescue your life in peace. From the battle that is against you. If you are facing a battle right now. I want you to know you can have peace in the midst of it. In Jesus name. Your heart doesn't need to be troubled anymore. Jehovah Shalom is the one who calms the storm. And he will redeem your life in peace. Not in pieces. But in peace from the battle that is against you. In Jesus name. Jehovah Shalom. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, according to Romans 16, verse 20. Jehovah Shalom will make you both lie down and sleep in peace. If you've been having sleepless nights, if you are struggling with insomnia, Psalm 4, verse 8 says that our God, our Jehovah Shalom, will make you both lie down and sleep in peace. Come on, stand on that word today. Jehovah Shalom will make you dwell in tranquility, fullness, and rest. Jehovah Shalom will perfect you and satisfy you. Stop trying to earn your way into God's good graces. Amen. Only God can perfect you because He finishes what He has started in you, in Jesus' almighty name. Jehovah Shalom will remove the agitation and the discord that you feel on the inside. Hallelujah. Jehovah Shalom will make you dwell in harmony and in real peace. The God of peace will cause you to abide in a peaceful habitation in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. According to Isaiah 32, 18, maybe your home is a war zone. Maybe your marriage is just full of strife. Maybe your workplace feels like you need to back, you know, gear up for battle whenever you go in. Can I tell you, have an encounter with Jehovah Shalom. Because as you have his peace within you, remember that that overflows into harmony with yourself and with others. With others, And he will cause you to abide in a peaceful habitation at home, at work, in your marriage, wherever he is. He will give you secure dwellings and you will have quiet resting places. Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah 54 verse 10 says, that God has a covenant of peace with his children. And it then says he will not remove it. 
Amen. Mm. So I want you to know that God has a covenant of peace with you. If you are not in the place of peace, our covenant keeping God wants you to move into that place of peace today. Because he has a covenant of peace for you and for me. And he will not remove it in the name of Jesus because he is faithful. I pray that the Lord of peace himself would give you peace at all times in every way, in Jesus' almighty name. I want to tell you a bit more about Gideon and then another story about the Israelites. Gideon had to have that revelation of Jehovah Shalom so that he could fulfill God's purpose and conquer the enemy. Before he went out and did all those mighty deeds, he first had to know Jehovah Shalom. He had to have that revelation, amen, because he was in, it was tumultuous times. Everything was in a state of unrest, and he did not know peace. So he had to experience the peace of God before he was able to fulfill his destiny. So lesson number eight is that receiving God's peace precedes victory. Wow. Hallelujah. Receiving God's peace precedes victory. When you stay in the presence of Jehovah Shalom, when you receive his peace, victory will follow. God will fight for you. God will rescue you. God will deliver you. We also see this in Exodus 14. We've just read, well, when you're reading in Exodus, you see how God just delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. They were on their way in the desert. They were going to cross the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh changed his mind. And Pharaoh then started pursuing the Israelites to destroy them. So they were almost in a similar position to the Israelites who were constantly being destroyed by the Midianites. And they reached the Red Sea, which they saw as a dead end. And the Israelites started panicking and they were fearful. And they asked Moses, did you bring us out here to die? Because they really thought they were going to die. Just like Gideon thought he was going to die after meeting the Lord. But this is Moses' response in Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. And listen to this. And you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. Notice this condition. That if you stay at peace, if you stay in the presence of Jehovah Shalom, the creator of the universe, the God who is mighty in battle, will fight for you. If you don't worry about the doctor's prognosis, if you don't get upset about the deal that fell through, if you don't get upset about the plans that have gone up in smoke, if you don't get upset and mad because you didn't get that job or you didn't get that promotional increase, if you don't stress about those who've rejected you and those who've stabbed you in the back, if you have God shalom and you stay at peace, God will fight your battles. And his promise and his purpose and his plan for you will surely come to pass. He did it for Gideon. He did it for the Israelites at the Red Sea. And he can open it up for you as well. So you will cross over and the enemy will be destroyed in Jesus' name. So you can definitely and confidently expect victory when you operate from a platform of peace. P-O-P, platform of peace. Hallelujah. You need 
to pop in Jesus' name. When you feel anxious, you tell yourself, pop. When you feel fearful, you tell yourself, pop. When the enemy attacks you or your family, you tell yourself, pop. When people turn against you and the doors are closing, you tell yourself, pop. Hallelujah. When things are falling apart, you tell yourself, pop. When things are out of your control and they're not going your way, tell yourself, pop. When you are under pressure and you feel like you're going to crack, tell yourself, pop. Get into the presence of Jehovah Shalom and you stay there in Jesus' name. Whatever you face, remind yourself, pop. Come on, we're going to operate from a platform of peace in Jesus' almighty name. Nothing's going to steal your peace. You know what you need to guard? You need to guard your peace. You don't let anything mess with the peace that God has given you. If you are sacrificing your peace because of something you are involved in or because of an activity you've decided to do, the price is too expensive, stop doing it and keep your peace because peace precedes victory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you want to experience true peace today, it's found in Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace and He wants to give you true peace today. You don't have to rest in peace only. Today you have an opportunity to live in peace. Jesus made peace between God and mankind by dying on the cross for our sins. He reconciled us to God the Father. He made the only way for us to be restored to a right relationship with the Lord. And this call for salvation right now, it is open for you today. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do so right now. Maybe you are a backslider. This invitation is open to you as well. Let the peace of Christ come in and rule in your hearts. So whether it's the first time you were saying this prayer for salvation, or if you have decided to rededicate your life to Jesus, receiving Christ is as simple as ABC. A. Admit that you have sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. B. Believe that Jesus Christ died for you. Yet to all who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And then C. Confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. As the word says, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If you are sincere today and you want to give your heart to Jesus, please close your eyes with me and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. I am sorry for my sins. I don't want to sin against you anymore. I believe you are the Son of God. And you died on the cross for my sins. I also believe that you rose from the dead. So that I too may have victory over the grave. Please forgive me now, Lord. And cleanse me. Come into my heart. And give me a new life. And fill me with your peace. Your shalom. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for me. 
and for hearing and answering my prayer. Today, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you have said that prayer, I want you to know that the angels are rejoicing in heaven. The data has been recorded that you are now born again or that you've rededicated your life to God in Jesus' name. I would also just like to pray for everyone this morning. Father, I pray that we would walk in obedience to you so that we don't make ourselves vulnerable to the enemy. I pray that no matter how far away we might have drifted from you, Father, today we return to you with all our hearts. Come and deliver us. Come and save us, Father. Let us have a faithful expectation for a life-changing encounter with you, Jesus. Father, I pray that as we have this encounter with you, that purpose and destiny would be released over us so we can impact our world, our communities, our families, our workplaces, everywhere for good. Father, I pray that we would not blame you unfairly, but God, let us focus on your promises and your purpose instead in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would realize that true peace only comes from you, Jehovah Shalom. Let us abide in you, Father. I pray that you would warn us by your spirit and that we would be careful that the blessings we crave don't turn into desires that destroy our peace. Whatever activities we might be engaged in that is destroying our peace, God, show us what it is so that we can stop those activities, Father, and guard the peace that you give us. God, I pray that we would receive your peace today and walk in victory. We say we choose to operate from a platform of peace. Let us go out in joy, my God, and be led forth in peace. And lastly, Father, I pray Philippians 4, 6 to 8 over us. Father, I pray that we would not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that we would continue to make our specific requests known to you, God. And the peace of God, the peace which reassures the heart, the peace which transcends all understanding, the peace which stands God over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, let that shalom, Father, in the fullness of that word, be ours. Finally, Father, I pray, change the way we think, Father. Renew our minds. Give us the mind of Christ. Father, where there are gaps in our understanding of you, come and fill it, Father. But I pray that whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is light and confirmed by your word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, God, let us continually think on these things. Let us center our minds on them and implant them in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.